Hi everyone, it's Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development, and I'm delighted to have you with us for a veteran stories, Difference Makers. And we've got Jeff Hevener with us, yeah. US Navy veteran. Good to see you. Hey, thank you, Craig. Nice to meet you too. Thanks for joining us today and sharing with us your story of joining the military and transitioning out and what you're doing now. Tell mm -hmm. us about why you joined the military in the first place. Oh, always a good question. Uh, for me, it was a combination of a couple things. Um, I come from a long line of, of military members, but surprisingly enough, it was never a pushed into or you got to do this kind of thing. So it was always in the back of my mind that it was an option for me. Um, but I knew I wanted to go to college. I knew I wanted to, to experience that. But as most people, you know, in high school, I wouldn't say most, but uh, a chunk of us, are good in one thing, but not always good in another. And for me, it was sports and not so much my academics. And not that I wasn't a great student, I just didn't give it the attention it deserved. And so by the time I started applying for colleges, it was that big, I told you so from my parents that was subtly and silently told to me as I was getting rejection letters. Um, so, but I wanted to turn that corner and I knew the military at that point in my life, I wasn't, I was smart enough to recognize I wasn't mature enough for college. Even if I'd gotten in, I don't think I would have succeeded. And I knew that because looking at my track record in high school, when I started seeing those letters come in, my grades, right? And I knew if I'd gone in, I, I wouldn't have excelled. And I probably would have, hopefully not have failed out, but probably not have done very well. And it would have taken me a while to learn. And I didn't want to do that to me. I didn't want to do that to my parents. Mm -hmm. So I started exploring options to where I could get potentially um, I was looking at ROTC and trying to look at programs where I could get scholarships and go that route. And again, it was the same story. You still had to get into the university before you got into the ROTC program. And so again, it, it came back to me. It was like, all right, well, what if I just look at joining the military? What if I just go enlist, try to go officer after that and see what that looks like? And so that's what I did. I, I started shopping around and the Navy was my first go-to because that was my father's service that he was in and his father's service. Uh, I had a grandfather who was a Marine, another uncle was a Marine, another uncle was in the Army. So again, I don't think anybody would have cared where I went. Um, but yeah, so no, I, I decided to go that route. And when I started talking to a couple of recruiters, you know, you take those entry exams, <laughs> good or bad, they were like, wow, you scored phenomenally high. So let's get you right on the track to the nuclear engineering program. And there was no, they put blinders on me. So there was no right. options of looking at anything else. And, you know, all said and done, looking back, it was a phenomenal program to go into. Um, but yeah, so that summarizes really my, my reasons for joining. I, I, I wouldn't look back any other way. I, I know if I'd gone into college, I probably would have eventually done well. But the military taught me so much more than any college experience, I think, would have brought to, you know, uh, an older teen into their young 20s. So, mm. but Tell us about some of those things that, that you did learn that you've taken away with you. Oh, my gosh. So I was in for six years, and I'll say I went in the summer of 99. So it was August of 1999. And so being in six years, I obviously was in during 9-11. Uh, and so that was one of my glaring experiences, mm. being in the military at that point in time. I mean, we all join knowing at any point in time you could go to war. Uh, you pray that it doesn't happen, but if it does, you know, I thought it was at least in a safe enough position being in the Navy that I never would see the front lines per se. Um, but yeah, so no, 9-11 happens and you just see this transition in everybody, in, in our culture here in the United States and the people that are currently serving. Um, but it, it gives you an appreciation for when those traumatic times happen and then 
you know, what you've got to do internally to either digest it or complain about it. Right. Mm. Um, and so thankfully it was surrounded by some pretty amazing people. And, you know, as we got called to go do things as part of that effort. And when that happens, uh, you know, you just know that that's just the job, right. You have to come sometimes compartmentalize that in those times when, you know, you're out at sea and you're being deployed and you've got to go do certain things. And so, yeah, so, um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's amazing what it does to you and affects you and again, how you process it. And again, very thankful that I was along the ride with some pretty incredible people that helped us process that all. Um, but I'll say that that was a big one. I'd say the other pieces, parts that a lot of that military experience taught me was just kind of this insatiable, like lust for always wanting to learn more and putting my hands on it to learn it. Hmm. Um, and that has carried me through, through a lot of things. And Good or bad, I, I think the military teaches you the, the yes, as you know, any person in the military, you've got to take orders, right? There's a chain of command. And but you know, even in that environment, I, I thrive, but I would always still find myself wanting to know more and, and not in a bad way, but challenging, you know, officers or challenging, you know, uh, higher ranking people than me with questions of, you know, why are we doing this, right? And again, trying to do it in a way to learn, not in a way to be combative. Right. Because I find that, you know, maybe the way you told me to do it, I think there could be a better way to do it. Right. And so let's talk about it. And, and I'll put a pin in that because that's part of the reason why I transitioned out. And so, again, you know, yes, there's that blindly. You got to go follow orders when the time needs to happen. And that's OK. You know, we're all trained to do that when it happens. Uh, but then there's times where it's like, you know, I. I felt there was a need to, to understand certain things a little bit more. And sometimes people didn't quite understand why, but, uh, but I felt for me to be a better leader myself, I needed to understand why their decisions were being told to do so that would help me then make my decision on how I had to tell other people when I needed to tell them to do things. And so there was a lot of that learning of empathy and a lot of um, mm. that track record there. So again, words you probably wouldn't correlate with the military, um, but words that I, I always found the way I lead and the way I wanted to be led, you know, wasn't always the same that you would experience everywhere. So again, great follower. I, I can be that person. And I, I did my job and I did it to my best and, and, you know, was, was good in what I did. Um, so anyway, so that, those are all a lot of pieces, parts that, that envelop, uh, why I, I really cherished my time in the military it matured me in all the right ways. It, it really brought a, a, a holistic, rounded sense into me about what we can do as people in our environments. Mm. You know, given what you have, making the best of it. You know, mm. there's no time to complain. It's just okay. You've got to go on. You've got to pick up what you got, and, and you've got to make the best of what you can. And, and sometimes, you know, you got to take the step back when it doesn't always succeed, and look back and say, "Well, how could I have done it better?" You know, that was one, I'll say, continuing learning was just something the military may not have used those words, but they constantly, you know, forced that into your 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 just memory muscle um, mm. in your daily life. And so when, you, when you're trained like that and you start to learn to just operate that, you know, unconscious or subconsciously, it, it does wonders for you when, when you leave and transition out. Just be interested to, to dig a little bit deeper. You said that there was this instant, change after 9-11 happened in the country and obviously for those people that were serving tell us a little bit more about that what was that change oh my gosh uh and so before i can even mention the change you, you gotta actually have to hear 
how that kind of occurred in, in, in my story, because we all have our own unique story when, when 9-11 yes. hit. Um, so I, I, funny anecdote, I'm six foot seven and I was on a submarine. So I was a best attack submarine. And uh, so, yeah, all I know is I wanted to get to San Diego and that was where I wanted to be. I, I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I wanted to travel as much as the military would pay for me to travel. And so I said, I, I want to get to the West Coast. I want to live on the West Coast. So I was the only one out of my graduating class that got San Diego. And I think only two or three other people got like Seattle area. The rest of them got, you know, stayed on the East Coast. So I didn't want to look look a gift horse in the mouth. Obviously, I, I was very upset. I wasn't getting a, a carrier, a surface vessel where I was going to be able to see the stars and sun at night. But uh, uh, but anyway, so there I am. I'm on this submarine and we're, we're leaving for my first deployment that I'd ever been on. And so we're going to go out for six, seven, nine months. However, we don't know yet. Um, well, we didn't know at the time it was going to be longer. So this was very beginning. So again, if you're not familiar with the nuclear engineering program, you've got to go to school for almost two years straight before you even touch a boat. Um, so I finished all my schooling and I finally get attached to my submarine in San Diego. This would have been late August, early September of 2001. So this is several weeks before 9-11. And I get there and I find out we're going to get deployed almost a week after I get there. I'm like, oh, well, story of the job, right? So we get out there and we're, we're supposed to just kind of transit from San Diego to Hawaii. We're just going to kind of take our time and do another reload in Hawaii and then really go out for our deployment. Um, and so in that transition of, of San Diego to Hawaii, we were, we started getting messages, right? And we started getting some, some comms that, you know, something was happening in New York. And again, if you're not too familiar with the, the sub life, you know, you're not getting constant communications unless you're surfaced or mm. at a periscope or a, a depth that you can send up an antenna to actually receive communications. So you don't get them regularly. So we were obviously just transmitting messages, getting some daily stuff. And we heard this and, and my first reaction was like, oh, we're playing war games, right? This is just a scenario they're building up. We're going to go do some battle station drills kind of because that's what you do when you're not doing anything else. You just drill. Um, and then the messages started getting a little more frequent and we didn't dive and we were staying surface a little longer than anticipated and, you know, not being privy to everything that's being communicated. You just hear the tidbits that the captain and usually the captain doesn't want to, he doesn't come over the, the, the loudspeaker very often to, to put that many uh, messages out. So something was different. And so you started seeing a lot of us like on high alert, like this doesn't sound normal. Hmm. And then as we started getting more information, exactly what was happening you know, it finally hits you, but for being somebody who had never seen it live, we never saw it. We didn't know what was going on. It was just verbal messaging. You can imagine what's going on in your head, you know, like, where are we going? What are we doing? What does it mean for me now? And so we finally quickly got to Hawaii. It was a fast reload. And then we were deployed to go do some other stuff. And so, yeah, and you said, so that brief period. We, I think we were in Hawaii, maybe less than 24 hours to kind of quickly restock and get back out where we were supposed to be there for like a long weekend or something. And so you, you didn't really get a sense of what actually happened because you weren't one of those people that watched it live and you weren't one of those people that got to, you know, share in those traumatic experiences, you know, and I'm not saying it in a good way to share it, but just what that does to you and how that forms you as a person after that, you know, whatever stage of life you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that little piece we got, we just know, like, again, it was a job we had to go do, but you know, you're reading the articles, you read the magazines, you're seeing the pictures and you finally right. get some live footage, you know, that you, you see. 
and you you just get this different sense that you know not that you went in a point in time before that there wasn't a war or active terrorism um but you know when you talk you know uh, patriotism and you know pro-veteran people and pro-military it was kind of you know whatever it was what it was you know if you were in the military okay if you weren't all right no big deal but again you saw that ramp up of just that that patriotism in the u.s and this this global effect that that had just around mm. everybody about just you know no, no one wanting to see that to happen to their own country and just mm. you know but yeah you just saw that in in you it changed you in a way that you know you ask the question when it all happens and it did eventually kind of fade away a little bit, you know, we still remember 9-11 every annual, you know, anniversary of it. But it's like, you know, why can't we be like that all the time? Why can't we be appreciative of the people that sacrifice and, and put their lives on the line for this type of duty? You know, I'm not saying we need to be paraded and, and, and you know, put on shoulders, but it's like, hey, there's people doing these things for whatever reasons they're putting themselves out there. Yeah. And so, yeah, it just it makes you question that a little bit, like why that, why that sudden change and why couldn't we always kind of carry this? And you pray it never has to be a traumatic experience like that to, to cause that. But again, good or bad, it is what it was. It, it was the reality we lived in. And, and it was nice to feel that appreciation wherever you went. But mm. We don't do it for that. That's not why we joined the military. You know, that's not why, you know, we go in and do what we do or, or study what we studied and, you know, we go on these long deployments and go overseas. It's, it's not why you do it for any recognition. You do it because, you know, you, you signed up for something that you believed in. Um, and in the ground of it, you know, you're surrounded by other people that good, bad or indifferent, you're on it with you. And, and that's really at the, the crux of what it was. It's not so much what the outside forces that transition in their minds, but it's what we went through that were in the military right. at the time and what we had to then reestablish in our own minds is okay this this is what it is now this is we are constantly going to be on high alert we're constantly going to be going out and and whether you wanted this or not you're in it and you're in it together and it's that camaraderie that instantaneously just gels you together in an environment that you would never you're already kind of in a unique environment you know especially in a sub uh, or any military uh department but when something like that happens it, it really brings you together in a way that you can't find anywhere else that esteem and the honor the respect that the general public has for the military i think it has an effect on the the type of people who are motivated to to uh, join the military mm -hmm. and the yeah. way that they see that service and the way they see themselves when they're coming out and i think that that is really important and that change in mindset is is a significant factor actually for mm. the military and the way the public see them when you made that transition i think you said earlier um you learned how to take orders and you like to question and understand the why and that was part of your reason for leaving and um and moving into your your own business so tell us about that the reason for for leaving and some of those challenges in the transition yeah, so no, I, I really did enjoy my military time and, and and I really did see myself setting out for a very long tenure. You know, I couldn't have said when I started that I was going to stay in for 20 plus years, but I knew I could definitely do a long haul. Mm -hmm. And I was looking forward to that. And yeah, I, I would say when I finally got to the boat and I'm out there, um, you know, you start to really perceive everything and take it all in and digest it and say, all right, is this a lifestyle I want to continue living? And it's a hard question to answer because mm -hmm. you feel selfish sometimes when you say, no, it's not. 
You know, right. you feel selfish because you dedicated your life to this and this is what you got to do. And, and you're, you're in the military. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying everybody that goes in the expectations you're going to stay in for 20. That's certainly not it. But, you know, to, to get out, you know, some people look at you like, well, why aren't you going to stay in? And other people like, all right, it makes sense to get out. So for me, it was clearly just how I am as a person, how I work, how I work with others, how I want to work and lead others. I, you know, being an enlisted person, I, I eventually got out of the rank of an E5. And so I, you're not on a submarine, especially you're not any high ranking person. You're not going to be in a position to, to really, you know, make a lot of changes or, or lead large departments, you know, um, had I stayed in shore, I'm sure I would have gone and, and, and exceeded elsewhere there. But I just knew that my mentality and my approach to leadership just wasn't gelling with what the military was. Again, good or indifferent, right? I I like to take the time to get to know the people that I'm working with. I like to take the time to, to understand their concerns. That why are we taking these risks? What are the outcomes of these risks? And and sometimes just blindly following orders for me, just, you know, I, and that's why I questioned them. I just wanted to understand a little more. Yeah. And and so in the end, again, I, I never questioned orders to the point where it was combative. I always questioned orders in, in the position of learning. Um, but in the end, I just recognized after six years, I said, okay, I, I think my next chapter has got to be outside of the military. I think I can take a lot of what I've learned here, the relationships I've, I've, I've gained and take that and really do some incredible things after this and still very much promote the military because I think it's a phenomenal thing for anybody to do. Um, you know, and so, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's just, it really was that it was, I didn't see a career because that's how you yeah. have to start to look at it. it. It's going to be a career choice. And so after six years, I didn't see that career for me. I didn't, I didn't want to raise a family bouncing around, you know, I didn't want to right. see my kids grow up like that. And may, again, selfish or not, that's just how I didn't want to do it. And so those were some of my bigger considerations and double that. And hence why I'm kind of doing what I am now is, I always had an entrepreneurial bug and I had that spirit of wanting to do something for myself and start something on my own. And I knew at least at that point in time at, you know, 20, 25, 26 years old, I, I wasn't going to be able to do that while I was in the military. So there was a couple factors there that kind of eventually weighed out to where I got out. Um, and then that segues into, you know, where I am now, you know, I took the time I knew I couldn't jump right into something because I was inexperienced in the corporate world. I was inexperienced in jobs outside of the military. And so I needed to take that time to kind of figure out what does that look like? And I knew having a degree was important to me. So I went back to school full time while going to work in a second shift position. Um, eventually, my wife and I had our first kids. So that transitioned to me, you know, going back into nuclear power in a power plant, but full time. And working there for for several you know almost 10 years and you know go, starting to really build up all those corporate experiences and those lives outside of military to where again that rebuilt and reframed me on where i wanted to go and each step i just would always look back and say you did this was it good or bad what can you learn from it how can you get better and it was a question mm -hmm. i constantly asked myself throughout my entire process of, of just working through the military, working out of the military and working through corporate America. And so eventually I got to the point this last year where I decided, you know, uh, 
good or bad, I, I was let go from my company and I decided I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to go back to corporate America where I thought I was safe. And so in that transition of, of hearing that news and knowing I didn't have a job anymore, it, w- it was a rude awakening. You know, I, mm-hmm. here I've been, you know, always been a good employee, always been an employee who, who always wanted to help people and, you know, never had any, you know, things to say bad about any company I ever worked for. And all of a sudden that changes, you know, and so that safety net we all thought we had wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And so eventually I had to ask myself, I said, all right, well, if I'm going to go do this again, am I going to, do I have enough courage to bet on myself or do I want to fold and go back to corporate America? And I don't say that in a way to make corporate America sound bad because right. there's plenty of people that are amazing at it. And, and I, I encourage those people to, to continue doing that. But I just had I had something else in me. I wanted to do it. And I finally had the opportunity now where whether it was it was a Band-Aid ripped off. It was an abrupt kind of ending to one to start another. And I said, well, here, I'm not going to get this opportunity again if I go back to corporate America. Mm. I'm going to feel that that risk is too much to take, you know, married with four kids. And I said, well, here, here's the opportunity being presented, you know. And so that in and of itself was the decision to go do it. Now, doing it is a whole other, it's a whole other story. <laughs> you know, when you finally do that and you finally pull the trigger and do something entrepreneurial and you finally say, I've got something that I know I can help people, help companies with, you know, because I, I do B2B. And, you know, that's scary. I mean, that's scarier than raising your right hand and saying, you know, I, I'm going to go in and, and serve for the military. To me, this was scarier than that. And, you know, for whatever reasons there are, there's a lot of risks now. You know, here I was uh, just turned 40 when that happened. And so, yeah, I see you looking at this stuff right now. And, you know, so I, I thought about it and I said, well, how else can I do this and, and reduce the risk? Right. And so what you're looking at here is uh, so I, I joined forces and started a company uh, under the umbrella of expense reduction analysts. And so I've got my consulting company and I, I partner with expense reduction analysts on a lot of the consulting work I do because I have this passion around numbers. I have this passion around mm. business operations because that's a lot of what I did in, in my jobs. But where you merge the two is all around helping companies, you know, find ways to uh, complete their initiatives and projects if they don't have the funding to get there. And so holistically what we do is we take an approach to to talk and have the conversations around okay what it is you're trying to accomplish you know how much money is going to take you to get there and we partner with companies to really dive through the root reasons of of why they're having these pains and put together a strategy that's going to allow them to uncover you know cash flow in their existing operations and drop it right down to the bottom line you know increase that EBITDA and, and to me, that's that's amazing. If you can bring that kind of power to a corporation to where, I mean, if you look at business, you've either got to increase revenue or, you know, manage costs, right? That's the only way you're going to balance that line out. Mm. And, and when you talk to a lot of companies, when you talk about increasing revenue, there's so much more expense involved in doing that. It's not an, it's not a flick of a switch. You know, you either got to build a new product or, or get a new product into a new market or right. hire more sales staff. So. There's a lot of expense that has to go with that to eventually see some revenue. And you're not seeing a one-for-one for for those expenses. It's it's a proportion of it. And and so what we do, though, is we can really come on the back end of things and help you in a sense that, hey, go do this. Go increase your revenue. Go enter a new market. Go hire what you need. Let us work on this stuff over here that will 
keep that line not only from the revenue side, but also from the managed cost side coming up. So now you're at the end of all this, you're that much better. And, and when you can have those strategic conversations with companies and really help them, you know, see the value that you can bring on, on an end that they can't really manage because they just don't have the time for, mm. you know, it, it really is exciting to see the outcome of those new initiatives that they now can bring forward. Or, you know, heaven forbid, these last couple of years with COVID, mm. these people are just, you know, really having a tough time, you know, retaining or, or getting staff back. So maybe it was a company that had to reduce staff. So now they can hire that staff back because you can put money back yeah. in their pocket. You know, so when you see those success stories and you see these companies really achieving greater things and knowing that you are a part of that, it brings a mission to what I do, you know, and it makes it fulfilling and, and it helps you understand why you do what you do, why I like people. It's about the people. It's not about the business. You know, I really enjoy the conversations and the ability to dive in with them and partner with them in a sense of really seeing them succeed. You sound very passionate about what you're doing now. <laughs> thank you. Jeff, just to wrap up, and I do want to thank you for your service in the military. Thank you for what you did, and thank you for um, sharing your story with us. Um, just as we wrap up, what's something that you would say to a person who's in the military now and knows that a time of transition into civilian life is coming? What would really help them to do that successfully? Wow. If I could say that succinctly, it's know yourself. Like really be critically honest with what you're trying to achieve when you get out. And you may not know that yet, but just you've got to have a plan. And that plan's going to be ever-changing. But you got to start with a plan. And, and that plan, you know, as much as the military tries to provide programs to help, go outside of those. Keep looking for help. Keep finding. Keep asking questions. There are a plethora of people out there that want to see you succeed. You know, whether you understand that or know it or not, there's plenty of programs. So don't stop until you feel completely satisfied that you've got the answer you want. So keep looking for that. You know, there's plenty of books out there um, and there's plenty of help. There's, you know, I, I'm one person who loves to help people in that transition. Just be a sounding board. I really do. Because, you know, you don't want to have to repeat the wheel that someone else has already helped create. You know, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in asking for help. Not from, a, you know, here's money, but here's here's some knowledge. Here's some advice. You know, or just here's a conversation. Let me be that mm. piece that helps you see if this is really what you want to do. And maybe leaving the military isn't the right time yet, or maybe it is, but what are you going to do? What, what does that plan look like and help you build that plan? So it's like, just be critically honest, start a plan, know the plan's going to change. It's going to constantly evolve. Just be adaptable and flexible with it. I love it. Jeff, thanks very much for giving us your time today. Yeah, excellent, Craig. Thank you so much. And for those of you watching the recording, if you want to reach out to Jeff, uh, we have got his link to the LinkedIn profile. That's with the show notes. So whether you're watching on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Twitch, uh, on LinkedIn, wherever you are, uh, you can reach out to Jeff by finding and looking in the show notes and finding the link to his profile. And those of you that are veterans or veterans, veterans families, if you'd like to pursue education, we are VA approved for benefits in education for our master's degrees and bachelor degrees in the United States and also the opportunity to come and live and study in New Zealand as well with us. Really beautiful country, nice place to come and visit for a while. So again, thanks very much for being with us. We look forward to seeing you again on another Veteran Stories. Thank you again, Jeff. Excellent. Thank you so much. Talk.